This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And welcome into unnecessary roughness on this Monday. August 9th, 2021, we are officially back in the studio. We are officially back from Canton, Ohio. And as you can tell, I might be a little out of breath. Damon, you have me running all over the building. Why are you having me run all over the building already? Man, don't believe him, y'all. Don't believe him, Raider Nation. He was like, he said, I got, he was like, he was trying to get some snacks or something, man. No. <laughs> I ran to the kitchen because you said I had 20 seconds, and I think that 20 seconds really was 10 seconds. I don't think you gave me my full allotment of time. You saying I set you up? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm really out of breath. And the kitchen's not that far away. I was looking, I was looking too. I was like, he ain't going to make it. He I was going to, it. but then I had to get back to the office and pick up my bag so I can get my headphones, which I still currently do not have on my head. <laughs> but I'm working it out. <laughs> yeah, man. I was watching you. I, I should have just said, no, nah, man, we ain't got time for none of that. Yeah, you probably should have. You should have taken like, control. But I, was, but I was like, no, 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 no. He got it. He got it. I believe in you. Well, you should. I'm a guy who can get it done. Look, I'm here now. Got Boom. the headphones on. Boom. I'm still trying to catch my breath, but I'm excited about <laughs> I'm excited about being back on the air and being back in the home studio and being back in the city of Las Vegas. I'm telling you, back to be in in in, in an area that I know and I'm very familiar with. Canton, Ohio was fun. It's great. The Hall of Fame is amazing. You just heard some great sounds from the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, in that in that last uh, show, we we covered up JT the Brick show because he's traveling back from Canton, Ohio right now. So we just played the Hall of Fame edition show that I did on Saturday from the media center there in uh, Canton, Ohio. And so great. It was, it was a great opportunity. It was, it was fun. I, I enjoyed being out there, but man, you know, when you're gone, you're not sleeping in your own bed, you're eating out every night. I mean, you're just, you're doing stuff that you normally wouldn't do. It's nice just to have a little bit of normalcy, even though I didn't get in until 2 a.m. And I got up at 6 a.m. So Ooh. it's not like I really had that much normalcy. I didn't have that much time to actually enjoy my own bed. But, I, I mean, you, you know, you, you get in your surroundings and you have a good time. So I'm just glad to be back. It's good to have you back, man. How was that trip, man? I know you, you got to sleep in your own bed for a little bit. You were saying that the new hotel wasn't the Taj Mahal. You know, I know you were out there roughing it. You know, I'm glad you survived. You know, you I came might as well have been one camping. Piece. I yeah, might you, as well have been camping. You came back in one piece. You know, Friday, <laughs> you were making it sound like <laughs> you had the worst experience of your life. I did. <laughs> I absolutely did, Damon. So it's good to have you back. It's good to be back. But anyway, just I, I'm, I'm excited about everything that we saw and we heard over the weekend. Of course, uh, in Canton, Ohio, for Coach Tom Flores to go into to the hall and Charles Woodson. And uh, I think now, now that that's officially over, and this has kind of been not a dilemma, but what I've been working on you know, for the last few weeks is you got training camp going on. You want to be able to provide all the coverage as possible of everything going on at practice. You want to make sure you're at every single practice, but then at the same time, you have the Hall of Fame, and you know that this is a big deal. And as I mentioned, and JT mentioned, and, and you probably heard it a, a little while ago, not not knowing when when's the next time any of us are going to go back to represent and, and cover the Hall of Fame for the Raiders, because you don't know when a Raider is going to get back there. You don't know who the next one is going to be. Cliff Branch is someone that 
we all talk about should be in there, you know, but he's not. Drew Pearson's in there. Uh, Harold Carmichael's in there as of this uh, this past weekend. So maybe now that those guys are out of the way, maybe Cliff is up next. So that would obviously be a reason to go back to Canton, Ohio for Cliff Branch to be, you know, inducted. Uh, maybe Jim Plunkett. JT said there was a lot of conversation about Jim Plunkett uh, over the weekend. I didn't hear that conversation, but I know JT was uh, around other people that I wasn't around. So I could totally understand, you know, what he's saying. And then who do you have after that? You know, and I kind of posed the question on my podcast um, earlier, early in the week or, or maybe even today a little bit. Yeah, today. And someone reached out and said, uh, maybe Sebastian Janikowski and Shane Leckler. And I that's look, ooh, that's what it is. That's, that's, that is who it is. I look, I like Seabass a lot. Seabass was a fan favorite. But let me di- differentiate a Hall of Famer and a fan favorite. Seabass, if you go back and look at his career percentages as far as conversions, and a lot of this, a lot of his numbers are skewed because a lot of his kicks were from 60-plus yards. I mean, because anytime you, you, the, the Raiders crossed the 50, you felt like he was in, in range. Like, hey, just try him out there. Give it a try. He has a big leg. So a lot of times he kicked a long field goal that most kickers wouldn't attempt. But his, 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 his percentages of, of made field goals isn't where I would think that a, a, a Hall of Fame field goal kicker would be. Now, he had the longevity. He played in the league long enough to, to be able to be that guy. So, okay, you give him that nod, but I, I wouldn't count on If that's the one you're banking on to get into the Hall, if that's the guy that you're holding, you know, holding your hat on, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't hold your breath for that. Shane Leckler, on the other hand, played a very long time, was in the same draft class with Sebastian Janikowski. Now, he didn't play at the Raiders for his whole, his whole career, but he was, I mean, he's a Raider through and through. He just recently went into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, but Again, I mean, he's a special team guy. He's a kicker. He's a punter. So a lot of those guys, unless they were just the the top of their game for so many years and have awards named after him, like Ray Guy, <laughs> you know, it's just not that often that you see specialists like that get into the Hall of Fame. So even if you say that those are a couple of guys that, okay, maybe, maybe they'll, those will be the ones yeah, that just represent look at the stats and the stats really not back. That's it up what I'm like saying. And right. I'm not a stat guy. I'm not, I'm really not, but I know that that plays a part when it goes to the hall of fame. I mean, it's not about pleasing me. It's not about pleasing you. It's about what those guys are talking about. So, you know, even if you put, put those two in as, okay, well maybe that's, that's the, the line of hope, the next line after, you know, branch and, and possibly uh, Plunkett, uh, Lester Hayes. I know that's another conversation that's been, that's came up multiple times. Uh, matter of fact, Charles Woodson at the at the roundtable said that that was a guy he would like to see in. Lester Hayes said that he he learned a lot about playing the defensive back position from uh, watching Lester Hayes and you know just the knowledge he soaked up from him. So you know you can put those three guys out there, but again, it's so tough when they're going for you know the senior the senior uh, guy, you know, and and it just it's just different. It's just it's really hard to get in, get in there, so you can't really bank on that. But after that, after after you have the specialists, the kickers, who do you have? I'll wait. I'm struggling to find somebody in my head because even like players that had like a couple of three or four good seasons for the Raiders, nobody's racked up. Let's say in the past 15 years, nobody's racked up any Hall of Fame numbers. My first guy that I thought like he's an all pro, not be awesome why, but he's not a Hall of Famer. Not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but it's just like it's so hard to find people. Like I had people say, you know, Rich Cannon. And I was like, yeah, Rich Cannon was a good player. I liked him. Good quarterback. He's not a Hall of Famer. It's just not. I think I think Rich Gannon would tell you, not a Hall of Famer. But, you know, good quarterback. Did some good things with the Raiders. Did it for a, a very short time, but the time that he was there was awesome. It was great. He was the guy that John Gruden needed. That's, 
you know, that that's the problem. So now you're hoping with the new wave of Raiders and you fast forward to modern day, you're hoping that guys that are playing for the team now can not only pick up a second contract, maybe even a third contract, have a long, nice, long career, but put up those kind of numbers where, hey, you know, once they retire five years from there, they're in that conversation of potentially being. But it's going to be a gap. That's the point. The whole point of what I'm saying is there's going to be a, a, a large gap because outside of Khalil Mack, there hasn't been any current players that are even close to putting up numbers that are Hall of Fame-ish. And he's got work to do. You know what I mean? He's got a lot of work to do. I'm, I'm not by any means saying he's a Hall of Famer. I'm saying he's a guy that at least has some numbers. He has Defensive Player of the Year. He's put up multiple, you know, double-digit sacks multiple years. I mean, he's, he's been there, done that. But he's got to get deep into the playoffs. I think he's got to win a ring. And I think he's got to you know, get at least 100 sacks in his career. And I think he's at 70 right now. 70 or 70 and a half. I think he's got to get at least at 100. You know, a lot of times um, guys just get kind of overlooked for a while, you know, but in this case with the team not having the most success as far as drafting and developing and these guys sticking around the league for a long time, it's just unfortunate that, you know, it's none of those guys that I've, I've seen drafted in the past decade really look like guys that are going to do anything in the league or, or did, didn't do anything in the league. You know what I mean? It's just, that's unfortunately, that's just the nature of the beast. And that's what they're trying to overcome. That's where they're trying to get to the next, the next level and, and start drafting and developing players that are guys that could turn into being really, really good players. You know, John Gruden mentioned Brian Edwards the other day, talked about, he, uh, you know, reminded him of T.O. That's a hall of famer. So no pressure, second year guy, just going out there and, and make it happen. But I get it. He was talking about the body type and, you know, the ability, what he could do. But that's a Hall of Famer, you know. So, yeah, you want to have those guys, but you're not guaranteed to get those guys. So the point of the whole conversation is don't know when you're going to get back and have that opportunity to to represent and see the Raiders and, and you know, be there for the silver and black. So that's that's why it was so important to be there this past weekend. So I wouldn't have traded that for the world. Now, it took a little bit of extra effort to get there. It took a little bit extra effort to find a place to stay, but eventually we got it done. And I know one place that I'll never stay. <laughs> exact, uh, the the I, oil. No, no, we don't have to. Uh, yeah, I, don't even want, I don't even want right, to give we, them no love. I don't even want to right. give them no love because uh, me mentioning their name is, is advertising for them way too much. And I don't want to do that at all. So we will have plenty of uh, conversations about the sights and sounds from uh, from Canton, Ohio. What, what I was able to see, the people I was able to talk to, uh, the coverage was a little bit different than what I'm used to. And it's just a reality that we're still in the COVID era. It's just kind of what it is. You know, they're usually they would have in the media room that I did the show from on Saturday. Normally they would have a bunch of podiums in the auditorium and Tom Flores, Charles Woodson, Drew Pearson, Bill Cower. I mean, everyone that was going into the, the hall and I just started naming some names would be sitting there and you can go up there with your recorder, your microphone, your camera, your phone, whatever it is. And. It's just it's almost like a, a post game media session where you're just around the players or around the coach and you're just asking questions and you're getting some really good audio, some really good feedback. And on top of that, a lot of times that we would have had this option, we would have had this opportunity actually, being Raider Nation Radio nine twenty, we would have had the opportunity to grab a Tom Flores and pull him to the side and do a one on one because you know we're the flagship station of the Raiders, so the Raiders would have made sure we got that. Charles Woodson, we would have got that. So basically, I came back from Canton, Ohio, without the Charles Woodson inter- interview that I said I was going to get. 
So, but I, mm. I'll tell you, I said I wasn't going to come back from Canton, Ohio. Please believe I was bringing my ass back from Canton, Ohio. <laughs> After everything I experienced, I was coming on back, man. What's an interview or not? I'm coming back. <laughs> Please believe that. There was no way I was going to stay there longer than I had to, man. Uh-uh. I had to, uh, I had to hightail it out of there, get on that plane and, and get back to town. And I did. So, um, Still looking for that interview. I will get it at some point. I'm gonna get it. <laughs> you know, I just thought about that. It's just like I want that juxtaposition. I want to just hear you and JT compare your experiences because I feel like JT had the time of his life. Oh, he did. Looking at his Twitter and like you had a good time, but you had yeah. some, you your downs were some downs. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. His down would be like, ah, oh, man, traffic a little bit. I was at a red light too much. Right, exactly. But yours is just like, man, I thought I was gonna get arrested, man. Like I couldn't. Like, <laughs> Yeah, we definitely were in uh, in two different worlds while we were there. We are in the same city, but we were in two different worlds. You know, there's always, it's like uh, back in the day, you, you grew up in a, in a city that had the good mall, and then it had the other mall. I basically was in the other mall, and JT was at the good mall. <laughs> so JT was at the Tom Flores uh, party. You know, he emceed it and everything, which was great. And so he'll have some great stories about that. Tom Flores uh, had multiple former Raiders there to represent for him. So that I know JT is going to have some great stories about that. Uh, JT also went to the Charles Woodson party, which I'm sure probably just ended right now. I mean, it probably went all night long because the experience I've had at, at, at the after parties like that, I went to LT's after party and it ended around about 2.30 in the morning. And it's a great time. It's an absolute great time. So I can imagine that that was a very late night. But I didn't have that opportunity, one, because I had to get back here. I had to get back to the airport in, in there in Cleveland and fly back and get in town. So, like I said, I got to I got here at 2 a.m. So, while JT might might have been partying and fist bumping and doing whatever he was doing, mingling in the good mall, I was uh, flying back with uh, two dudes that were uh, making the, the the row of seats that I had on the plane very crowded. Just put it like that. Were they also coming back from the Hall of Fame? Were they also like some Raider fans? Were no, no, about, like, no. Like it was such a fun weekend, maybe? No. One dude was one of those guys that, you know, he was, I mean, he was he was the guy sitting in the middle. I was sitting next to the window, right? I had the window seat, which was okay. I thought, okay, I could lean here and go to sleep. He wasn't going to let me go to sleep for the longest. I mean, for the long, he just was just in my ear, just da 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 just about everything. You're an interesting guy. You're a cool no, guy to talk no. to. <laughs> not it. Not it. 10.45 or 11, whatever time we were about to fly. I mean, I'm literally trying to go to oh, sleep. so what do you do? Raider Nation Radio, huh? Well, I'm not I'm not a Raider fan, but I can talk football with you. It wasn't, it wasn't even that. Oh, he, no? he, started, he started getting – I mean, he did – he started with that conversation because of the shirt I was wearing, and then it went to something else. And it went to, yeah, I used to go to Vegas like three or four times a year. My job sent me, but then in COVID, it didn't. Oh, like, yeah, okay. And then, you know, so it just – it was one of those conversations. Then, you know, then also the vaccination question came up. Are you vaccinated? Are you know, then the next guy comes in with uh, wipes and he's wiping down the thing. Sorry, guys, just got to make sure I'm, you know, being safe. And then, of course, the guy next to me like, oh, don't worry about it. I was just asking uh, this guy here if he's vaccinated. So the whole conversation just keeps going and going and going. And it was way more than it needed to be. But it got done. Eventually, I, I fell asleep. And uh, yeah. And then when I woke up, <laughs> I woke up and dude says, did you get some sleep? We were trying to be quiet to give you some sleep. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm guy, on a plane, dude. <laughs> this guy sounds like a great guy. Hey. He's considerate about you being asleep, taking an interest in your job, your health, asking about your vaccination status. A great guy all around. I think you need to go hang out with him then. Oh, man. Did you get his number? Sounds like a great guy. No, I did not. Oh, man. And then I will say this, though, and this is my own fault for falling for the banana in the tailpipe. I went to, we went to go get our bags. You know, we were supposed to go to Carousel 22 to get our bags. So we're walking and he says, 
he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to baggage claim. He said, oh, we got to get on the, on the, um, the tram. Yeah. The tram to get there. And I go, no, we don't. It's carousel 22. That's going to go to terminal one. He's, and we're in terminal three. He goes, no, no, you live here. You know, he's telling me you live here, but you, you yeah, I, I travel here plenty. Like this is the one we're supposed to go on. And I said, it definitely says American and Delta right here. He goes, Q, I'm telling you. And by that time he knew my name. He's like, Q, I'm telling you that this is the one that we need to get on. So my dumb self was like, okay. So I get there, terminal one. It's got baggage claim one through 16. So of course I asked the lady, this is a dumb question. I know, but where's terminal, where's, where's carousel 22? She goes, Oh, it's in terminal three. And then I looked up at, at, at homeboy who was near me and he goes, I just realized I don't even have any bags to, 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 to pick up. <laughs> and that's when I knew that I was wrong in the wrong company. <laughs> No, that's a cherry on top right there. <laughs> that's when I knew I was with the wrong company. I knew I did everything wrong in this whole scenario, including talking to this man. So then I had to go, and I'm already outside. You know, you're basically outside of the airport once you get the baggage claim. You can't go back. So then I had to go outside. I had to get to the shuttle to take me back to Terminal 3, which I came from to begin with. And by the time I got to Carousel 22, I got there. Believe it or not, my bags were just starting to come down. <laughs> it had been about 30 minutes, and oh, I just well, knew. I was like, oh, my bag is going to be in the office, or it's going to be the lone last of the Mohicans rolling around the, the little carousel. And it, nope, nope, nope. They just started rolling out the, the bag. So I got my bag, got picked up, head to the house, and I was good. So it wasn't too bad. It was, it, it was, <laughs> it was a little difficult, but it wasn't too bad. I was able to maintain. Coming up on today's show, now that I've told you all that, what are you waving at me for? Oh, no, you've inspired the people. We've got a caller. Avant Raider wants to give a bad travel story. Does Avant Raider. All right, hold on. 702-365-9200. Didn't know we were going to start the show off this way, but let's go ahead and start it off with a bad traveling experience from my guy, Avant Raider. What's on your mind today, my man? Um, I love your bad traveling stories. <laughs> and, it's, and it sounds like, and you could do a whole anthology on those. It sounds like JT the Brick was at Stone Ridge or Blackhawk Mall, and you were at like Hilltop Mall in Richmond. <laughs> yes, the Hilltop Mall. Yes, I was at Eastmont Mall. <laughs> oh damn! All bad. Yes, All bad. sir. I like I, that. He was, said Stone Ridge. That's a that's a Pleasanton reference. Yeah, bro. I was. Uh, I got. I got. I had my flight canceled like four times uh, two weekends ago when I was in Vegas. And every time they would tell me, no, 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 stand by. And I'm like, I just want to go drive by the stadium. Can I just go see the stadium? And they're like, no, 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 you, you, you. And I stayed in that place for 12 hours, man. Ooh. So I, I, so I couldn't even see the stadium. And I just want, I would just in town for like a day. And I just wanted to see the stadium, but I couldn't. But you never, never achieved the goal of actually seeing the stadium? I drove by it once. Oh, man, we got to do something about that. I know, man. I know, man. Anyway, uh, I, I always appreciate your bad traveling stories. <laughs> Keep it up, man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. There he goes. Avant Raider right there. Been riding with me for a long time from the podcast to the radio station. I always have bad traveling stories. I am not the guy you want to travel with. Oh, man, I know that there was the Hall of Fame. I know the Raiders had the dress rehearsal. But this, I could spend the whole show just listening to you tell these stories because I'm cracking up. I, yeah, I'm glad I could entertain you. Oh, man, I'm glad I could be entertaining. But, yeah, you know, things happen, and they happen for a reason. They happen for a guy to go tell the story so someone can get a nice laugh out of it and maybe make their day a little bit better. So that's what I do. 
Coming up on the show today, have some really good guests. I'm really excited. And we're going to go a couple different directions on today's show. We're definitely going to talk plenty of Raiders. We're going to talk Hall of Fame. But coming up at 2.30, we're going to talk to Ed Graney, who's from our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, also a Las Vegas Review Journal, and talk about the departure of the AD at UNLV. Uh, she just got a contract extension. She just said we are getting things started. Uh, went and made her hire for her, uh, her football coach. Coach went 0-6 last year in a COVID-shortened season. And now she's off to the SEC. She's headed to Missouri to be the AD there. So we'll talk to Ed about the departure of the AD and the who could be on the short list for the arrival of the new AD. Why does UNLV coaches keep getting plucked, even though a lot of their overall records aren't that great? But they still, there's coaches and ADs now that are getting plucked out of the Rebels Athletic system. Yeah, I got some things I want to tell. I want to talk to Ed about because okay. she won't get away with this. Desiree Reed Francois, she will not get away. Oh, with so this. this is something she, to get you fired up. Yes, okay, it is. I found a button. I'm tired of being left high and dry. I know how you Raider fans feel back in Oakland. I okay. get it. Oh wow, now you're really stirring it up. Okay, Demond, I know what button to press now. Just bring up some UNLV stuff. All right. Well, two thirty, we'll do that. Ed Graney will join the show. Three o'clock. Uh, Stephen Foster, Foss Sports on Twitter. He's at uh, ESPN San Antonio. He was there with me in Canton, Ohio, and uh, he was actually there to soak in everything that happened last night as far as Tom, Tom Flores and uh, Charles Woodson, them giving them speeches as I was already on my way back to uh, to Las Vegas. So he's going to give us an update on what I missed out on and just a couple of behind-the-scenes things. So we'll, we'll talk to Steve Foster for a few minutes. And at 3.15, this is what I plan. This is the, the last two that I kind of plan. Um, I, I, I want to pull a... Edger and James Hall of Fame speech. Now, Tom Flores' speech was played in JT The Brick Show, and Charles Woodson's was played in JT The Brick Show. And I know parts of it was played in, in the morning tailgate with, with Clay and Hondo Carpenter this morning. So I don't want to go there again. But I thought Edge did a great job in his Hall of Fame speech. It was one of the, the better ones, I thought, especially on Saturday. I thought that was a great speech. So I want to play that in its entirety. It's about 10 minutes long. So we'll, we'll get that around 3.15, I'm expecting. That's kind of the, the wheelhouse, kind of in that area. But, you know, we're always kind of open to being flexible and changing some things around. And then at 3.40, very, very excited about this interview, Nico Ali Walsh. And you're thinking, who is that? Nico Ali Wash is a is the grandson of Muhammad Ali, and he's having his first professional fight on Saturday. It's going to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You could actually watch it on ESPN. So uh, we're going to talk to Nico about well being the grandson of Muhammad Ali, uh, getting his first fight in. What inspired him to be a fighter? You know, is that something that's in the bloodline? Why there's multiple Ali's that are in, in the boxing game? You know, what is advice that he received from his grandfather as, as he journey down this this path so he's going to join us at 340 to talk all things well about his fight that's coming up on saturday in tulsa oklahoma so that's the lineup for the show we'll come back start to give you a little bit of a rundown of what happened in in, in canton ohio and get your thoughts as well uh, and then we'll talk to ed grady ed grady will come up at 230 so uh you can start hitting us up on the on the salmon ash text line at 69187 keyword r and r that's 69187 keyword r and r make sure you hit up salmonashlaw.com because you deserve what's right uh give us your feedback of what you thought overall 
of the weekend. And uh, we'll save the calls for a little bit because uh, we got Ed Graney coming up. But we'll get to those text messages and we'll hear from you probably about 245. So that's kind of how we have things set up. Damon is fired up. I can't believe it. I found something to push his buttons. It gets me excited. And <laughs> now I know. And now in is half the battle, Damon. So now you're in trouble now that I know. What gets you really I'm just tired of seeing it happen, man. Well, we're going to ask why it continues to happen. It's a great question. It's a great question. I know you're salty, but it's a great question on why it continues to happen. So we'll find out that uh, from Graney, and we'll do that next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Any Oakland Raider fan, Las Vegas Raider fan, stand up. Keep standing. Keep standing. Anybody, anybody who's a fan... Or the way I played the game of football, you stand up too. Anybody. Keep standing. Don't sit down. Stand up. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Some of the greatness right there from Charles Woodson from his Hall of Fame speech. Stand up. Don't sit down. Stand up. He got angry. Charles Woodson had such a great, a uh, uh, different variety of emotions that he displayed Sunday evening as he closed down the show, closed down the Hall of Fame with that great speech. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Right now, we're pleased to have on the phone lines our guy, our teammate, Ed Graney, does the 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 press box on ESPN Las Vegas each and every morning from 7 to 10 a.m. So our sister station also does a great job at the Las Vegas Review Journal. You can find him on Twitter at Ed Graney. And Ed, thanks so much for your time, my man. And Got to uh, talk about what's going on at uh, UNLV, and I didn't know that it was a hot button for DeMond. He took it pretty personal when I started talking about what was going on at UNLV. He, he got fired up. So I'm hoping that you're not going to be the guy that's going to stir this guy up and have him on one the rest of the show. But what is going, what is going on? Uh, Desiree Reed-Francois, she uh, takes the job over in the SEC, headed to Missouri. Um, she's made some coaching hires, and they really haven't turned out to get all the results that they want. But uh, just kind of, to me, it was a little bit of a shock, and I know that I'm newer to the market, but it's just kind of a shock to me that she was plucked away so quickly. What was your initial thoughts when you saw that Missouri was making that hire? You know, I don't want to make DeMond mad, uh, but, uh, yeah, Q, um, so – this is the thing about Desiree. I mean, I'm happy for her. she gets to go to the uh, uh, SEC, uh, at least doubles her salary, if not more. But here's the thing: she's been there's a reason she's been on every list for the last year and a half for Power Five athletic director. She wanted she wanted this chance. She wanted to be a sitting AD at a Power Five school. Good for her. She got it, and you know she'll go to Missouri. Um, she'll, she'll do well. Uh, I you know she'll bring her family. Her son might even go to school there. I'm told uh, when he's when he's ready to go to college. So you know for her. And her, you know, career aspirations, this is what she wanted. Um, you don't be on all those lists and not want that. Uh, the, the question now is, what will UNLV do to respond? They have a new president, Keith Whitfield. He's been there for a year. And as I write for the paper tomorrow, he's about to make the most important hire in the history of UNLV athletics and one of the most important hires in the history of the school when you consider uh, the changing landscape of college athletics and who's in and who's out in the Power Five. So, He's got his work cut out for him, and he, he cannot mess up this hire. He cannot mess this up. Um, he's got to get the person in there who can position them to have the best chance at being in a Power Five or 
what we believe down the road will just be a super conferences. That's what it looks like. It's, it's definitely trending in that direction with all the moving and shaking going on, like you mentioned, in, in college sports and particularly in football. And so, of course, you know, uh, Marcus Arroyo gets gets hired to be the head football coach. He goes 0-6. It was a COVID-shortened season. So uh, there's obviously expectations for UNLV to be better in football this year. I know there two of their games were moved to primetime just today. So that, I mean, maybe there's a little bit of expectations there. But, uh, I mean, the hires that she made before she left, how is it? How important is it that those start to pan out quickly for her? Well, not even for her, but just for the team, the school in general. Yeah, I mean, it's far more important for the school. Like, if they pan out and they're doing really well, her legacy will be one that she hired good people. If they don't, her legacy will be one that she missed on all of them. So, you know, Marcus Arroyo, like you said, 0-6 in a pandemic season. The books have his total at 1.5 this year. They're not expected to do anything. That doesn't mean they won't. Uh, but he's a, he was a very important hire. Uh, she fired Tony Sanchez, who had the Pachita football complex built popular guy in town didn't win enough so she moved on from him and got marcus arroyo he's got to win he's got to come through he's, there's no other choice in, in the matter in terms of college football basketball she fired marvin menzies hired tj Osberger. now two years later tj left for iowa state and that was only because he had been there his wife went there and they had a lot of ties there he certainly wasn't good enough at UNLV to warrant a power five job but because everything fell into the line with iowa state and bringing him home that's why he got it Kevin Kruger has never coached a game as a head coach. He's new the new coach. She elevated him. So it's important these guys, Arroyo and Kruger, do well more for, like you said, the, the future of UNLV athletics and what Power Fives deem to be important. When it comes to her, we're going to look back three or four years down the road and say, boy, she made horrible hires or she made good hires. At that point, though, it doesn't really matter if you're UNLV. She's off to Missouri, and, you know, I mean, she'll just be judged on that. I don't know in that, pit, in that realm if she'll even care about that because, She'll have been, you know, down the road for a while. Right, exactly. We're talking right now with Ed Graney here on Unnecessary Roughness, uh, Raider Nation Radio 920, and you can catch Ed on the morning press box every single morning, 7 to 10 a.m. on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, as well as the Las Vegas Review Journal does a great job for that. Uh, and I just, I got to ask you, because you mentioned... You mentioned Kevin Kruger. I got to ask you about the obvious connection, uh, Lon, who's retired from uh, Oklahoma, and I know he's denied having any interest in the athletic director position. But one, it makes a lot of sense. Two, how far do you think it's, or how long do you think it's going to take until his name is not being mentioned with that athletic director position? Well, there's a few things. One, I, I do believe his knowing him and having covered him, I believe his statement in the paper days. It's not for him for many reasons. One, he retired. I think he's really enjoying coming back to Vegas, watching Kevin, going to practices, you know, support the program. He has grandchildren he wants to spend more time with. Lon loves the golf. I mean, he, he, I think he's excited about what retirement can bring him. This is not a job if you want to do all those other things. The other thing is, and I think it would be fair, and it would be the first question he should be asked, is if push comes to shove, can you fire your son? Right. Because now Kevin Kruger might be great and win a bunch of Mountain West championships and go to the NCAA tournament and go to a Power 5 job himself. He might also not be that way mm-hmm. in three years. Let's say, let's just say, you know, for argument's sake, he has three straight losing seasons. They don't go to the tournament. Lon Kruger's the AD. You gonna fire him? I mean, you, you know, that, and that, that's. I, I just think Lon would never put himself, knowing him, I don't think he'll ever put himself in a position where there's even a zero point one percent chance that he'd have to make a decision like that. I, I don't think. I mean, he's a great ambassador for UNLV. Anything they can get out of him in that realm is positive for the program. He's beloved here. I just don't think he sees that as, you know what, I really want to go and have to worry about track schedules or AD meetings or dinners on Wednesday night with boosters. I mean, I think he's in a position where he retired. He kind of understands or wants what the retired life would mean for him. And I don't think I'd believe him and take him at his word that this is just not the job for him. 
Well, Ed, DeMond is itching to get in on this conversation. DeMond, <laughs> I, I see it. I see it in your eye. What you got going uh, over there, DeMond? All right, Ed, I just got to know, because if the climbers can take all the jobs at UNLV, no matter which sport or the AD, and they can just leave, what makes UNLV an attractive job for a potential new AD? Because it seems like Desiree, um, we didn't, I didn't see any, we didn't see any results in football or basketball. I know in your column that you wrote some of the women's sports, the the funds, you know, getting the Fertitta complex built, it was a big step. But what did she really do? Okay, that's that's well, not and, fair. And, <laughs> that's not fair you know, to her. Demond, you're, Demond, you're, I mean, you're right in a lot of ways. Look, um, they were good academically, and you know that should be considered. Uh, they improved academically. They improved their fundraising. Now again, I'll go back to the Fertitta football complex. That was pretty much all of Sanchez. Not her fault. I mean, it had already be, that fundraising had already begun by the time she got there, and Tony got it built, and good for him, and good for the program more than anyway because he's already gone. Um, she did well to hire in the Olympic sports, but you and I and Q all know. I, I hate to say this, but people don't like it. That don't, those, those don't matter. Right. I mean, it matters to the people in those sports. It yep. matters to the people who play them and their parents. But in the big-time college athletics, you're not getting invited to a Power 5 program because your softball team's good. Exactly. Nobody cares about it. They want to know how you're good in football and how good are you in basketball. You know, academic standing, you know, UNLV now is a medical school to go with the law school. That won't hurt them. It won't hurt them to get an AD when an AD comes in and sees Allegiant Stadium that you play out in an NFL stadium. It's a pro town with the Raiders and Knights now. All those are good points for yeah, a young, intelligent, up-and-coming, 24-7 athletic director who has ties. That's the other thing. The person has to have ties into Power 5 leagues. They have to know the movers and shakers. They have to understand how best to position the Rebels. doesn't mean they're actually getting into Power 5, but you know, to position them to have that chance. Um, again, I'll say it again. It's the most important hire in the history of athletics at that school. He cannot miss on this, meaning Whitfield. I don't know him personally. I, don't know his, you know, I know his background. I just know he can't miss. If he misses, they could be done for good in terms of not moving forward when a lot of other schools do so. There will be people interested. I know already there's a lot of people interested, but he's got to make the right hire. So with that being said, and I mean, I hate to put you on the spot, but there's people interested. Who, in your opinion, do you think would be a good hire, a great hire for UNLV Athletics? Um, specific names, I'd have to look at lists. I'll, ju I'll just give you the prototype. It has to be someone who is intimately involved. And Desiree had some of this too. I mean, Desiree was, you know, she was tied into Power 5 people. She came from Virginia Tech. She worked at Tennessee. She worked at Power 5. She was on a lot of committees, the baseball selection. I mean, like, she was tied in mm -hmm. the Power 5s. I mean, she got the Missouri job, and she got the Missouri job when her football and basketball teams weren't any good. So that tells you kind of how tied in she was to certain people. You have to be that way, and you have to understand the landscape. It's, it, this, is, it, this is a watershed moment for the history of college athletics. When Oklahoma and Texas bounced, that told you everything you need to know. The other power fours are now looking at the landscape. What will we do? How will we respond? And if you're the UNLVs of the world, you need someone, uh, you know, uh, who understands that landscape and who has tie-ins into the power fives to give yourself the best chance. Who that is, I don't know. I do think it's funny. We're in Las Vegas. Damon will know this. The minute these things happen, all I see are local names and kind of the same old names. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying don't mess this higher up. You know, the last thing you should be worried about is if anyone has connections to that school or this city, go hire the best person. Now, if it ends up being someone with connections, all the better. Right. But you better hire the right person no matter where they're from, whether Las Vegas or Idaho or Nebraska, I don't know where, but you can't mess the higher up. Yeah, Ed, because I don't think that UNLV is that attractive of a job in the conference, the Mountain West. Do you think that with all this merging, all this shaking around in, like, 
in Power 5 conferences, do you think the Pac-12 may be on the table? That's a really good question. You know, it's funny because there's two answers to that. One, people would say yes because, uh, you know, it's a decent market. It's not a great market in terms of TV. We know that. Um, But there's Allegiant Stadium. The Pac-12 already brings its basketball tournament here, its football championship tournament here, or its football championship game here. Um, Geographically, it makes sense. Recruiting, it makes sense. But there's the other side of the argument is why do they need UNLV? They're already in Vegas. They don't need UNLV. Um, they can already come here when they want, and the, you know, the casinos put them up and hold their championships here. So the Pac-12 would really be the probably only one that makes sense for UNLV, and we don't know how they're going to respond. I saw a report today that if they go get anyone, if you can get past the religious faction of it, you go get BYU, obviously a much bigger brand than UNLV. That's not very fair. They're a much bigger brand than most. Um, but, yeah, DeMond, I mean, they're the ones that make sense. I just don't know if they believe they need it. it. It goes back to the same thing of playing UCLA's of the world back in the day when it's like UCLA and a Mountain West team want to play them. And the UCLA response is, well, why would we do that? Because if we win, we should, lo- we should beat you. And if we lose, we get ripped for it. <laughs> right. so I don't know if the Pac-12 would say, hey, we really need UNLV. They offer all this stuff. It's like They're already here anyway. Right. They, they can come in and recruit anyone they want. And they have their basketball and football championships here. So if I'm the Pac-12, I'm like, I don't really know what you're offering. It's a great argument, and not even an argument, just great points. Really good points right there, and it's a tough position, Ed. And, and my final question for you is, with that being a tough position, how tough is it with college football about to get started? I mean, we're just minutes away, it feels like, from the beginning of the season, and now UNLV doesn't have an AD. It's a great question. I, you know, that's, I mean, the timing's bad. Um, again, I don't fault her. You take that job. I mean, I right. today you walk exactly. to Columbia, and I've never said that to anyone. No offense about Columbia, but I've been there. I wouldn't walk there. But um, <laughs> so she she takes the job. She has to. So, but it's bad timing for Unity. It's weird. You know, Missouri announced her yesterday, and you guys might have seen it. I tried to keep track. I don't think UNLV's announced this. Now, usually that means a president and fifty people on his side of campus are going over his statement and what he's going to say about it. But it will be interesting. I assume he'll have a search committee. It's kind of a president's thing to do. They all do that. But this is going to take a while. I'll be very interested in who the interim is, if he names an interim, which I assume he would, right. just for the day-to-day operations. But, yeah, Q, this is, it's, I mean, it's never good timing, but a month out of the first game, it's really not good timing. So I'm really interested to see when they put their release out what he says about the search and, more importantly, like who he names as the interim. Right, exactly. It's going to be very interesting, something we'll continue to monitor here on Raider Nation Radio 920, and I know, Ed, you'll be covering it like a glove, not only for the Las Vegas Review Journal, but also for us here at ESPN Las Vegas, uh, just doing a great job with the morning press box. You yourself and Tyler uh, keep doing what you do, but uh, thank you so much for your time. What what do you got coming out? I saw one article you put out on the Review Journal, but do you have uh, a follow-up article that that folks should be on the lookout for? Yeah, we're going to write tomorrow that uh, Keith... uh, 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 Keith Whitfield, the UNLV president, uh, he better not hit a CNI C- single, man. He better hit a home run or they're, they're in major trouble. So that's coming out tomorrow. Sam Gordon for us will have hopefully a list of potential uh, people in this. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you both, man. Hey, great job, Ed. We appreciate Thanks, you, man. Keep doing what you do. Thanks. See you. All right. See you. There he goes, Ed Graney. Got to check in on UNLV. You know, they're, they're, uh, there are sisters here in, in, in the building, in the, in the market. I mean, they got to pay attention to what's going on with the Rebels. And I, I was actually at the airport, I think, when I saw the, the news the fir- at first. And I had to take a double and triple check. And I'm looking at Twitter. And, you know, that's, that's, the, that's where you find out everything, right? I, f- I saw it on Twitter and thought, whoa. And I want to say, Damon, that I saw a picture today where Desiree was on campus and maybe talking to Tate Martell at practice. 
and someone had tweeted out something like, oh, she's giving Tate Martell some uh, last-minute advice before she bounces or something. It was something to that extent. Yeah, you just, know? oh, man, yeah, and I know look, we got you here. You can't be mad at her. She got an opportunity. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yeah, I can. No, you can't. I can't. No, <laughs> what do you mean? You can't. She got an opportunity to go after her dream job or a job that she, you know, considers to be a, a, a good-looking, attractive job that she always was wanted. And I know she's been on Power 5 list before. You can't blame her for taking that job. You, you, you really, I mean, people keep coming back to the well, fishing in uh, the UNLV waters to get, to get their next hire for one reason or the other. Ed pointed out a bunch of them, but, you know, if you're, you're the Rebels, you just got to gotta get this hire right, like Ed just pointed out. And then you got to hold on tight because if, if that hire looks to be a, a a successful one, that's the thing about it, man. A power five is always going to be able to come into a market like the Mountain West and just pluck. I just want someone who wants to be here. Right. Well, it's just okay. Let me let me and then we'll take a break. Let me give you this example. It's like me in Central Texas. I wanted to be there. I did. I did. I did my time. I was there from 2012 to 2021. I wanted to be there. Really great experiences there. But this is a different animal. This is Las Vegas. Look at everything they had to offer. The job was better. The pay is better. I'm closer to home. I'm closer to mom. I'm, I mean, there were so many things that is attractive about being here. Than be, I could have stayed in Central Texas and lived high off the hog forever. I mean, really. <laughs> Housing is cheap. I lived two minutes away from work. Took me three weeks to run out of gas. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, Whoa. Yeah, exactly. There's no traffic. I have all my buddies there. I mean, I could have easily just got comfortable and stayed there. But this was the attractive place to be, and so it's it's similar to a, a, a big a, a power five. If if you're a power five and you want someone that's in the Mountain West, and it's not a power five, it's not that hard to go get them. You got to make the call and sell it. It's not hard to sell. It's a it's an easy sell. Hey, you can be in the Mountain West or you could be an AD in the SEC. Everyone wants to be in the SEC. That's why Texas and Oklahoma just made the moves they made. Have fun losing Alabama every year. Right. But you're going to lose Alabama with a big paycheck, and you're going to lose Alabama with uh, some credentials on your, uh, you know, on your back. I mean, there's again, you can't you can't fault a person for chasing their dream. Can we go to Brigman? Because your <laughs> counterpunches keep hurting, man. <laughs> Speaking of counterpunches, <laughs> we'll have Nico Ali Walsh coming up uh, at the end of the second hour of the show, about three forty, three forty-five. We'll have uh, him join the show to talk all things boxing, talk about his first event coming up on uh, on Saturday. I'm very excited for this young man. Cannot wait to watch the the fight on ESPN. And oh, by the way, he is a UNLV student as well that's going to graduate in 2022 with a business degree. So not only is he getting it done in the ring, hopefully, but he's definitely getting it done in the classroom. 2.45 is the time. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Hall of Famer Marcus Allen, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. <laughs> hey, Raider, hey Raider Nation, this is Marcus Allison. You listen to Radio Station 920. Say Raider Nation Radio 920. Raider Nation Radio Station 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Many thanks to Ed Graney from the Morning Press Box on ESPN Las Vegas joining us in the last segment to talk all things UNLV. You could also find Ed's work on the Las Vegas Sports or Las Vegas <laughs> Review Journal, excuse me. Uh, he's a guy, and I'm expecting this throughout the course of the football season, I'm expecting to check in on UNLV sports every week. 
at least once a week here on the show just to just to stay updated, whether it's football or if it's basketball season, whatever it is, it's important to be uh, locked in on what's going on with the Rebels as well. So something we'll definitely be doing around here is uh, checking in on uh, UNLV Weekly on Unnecessary Roughness. Uh, now, coming up at the top of the hour, 3 o'clock, Steve Foster from ESPN San Antonio is going to join us to talk about Sunday night, what he saw at, uh, at the Hall of Fame, and uh, he was there, and I really spent a lot of time with him throughout the course of the weekend, and really good dude. He was on the Hall of Fame show that, that we did on, uh, on Saturday, and a very, very big thanks to uh, Maui uh, Jelly Factory for, uh, for sponsoring the whole trip to, to Canton, Ohio. Definitely appreciate that. My guy Aaron, a good dude, big-time Raider fan, so uh, thank you for your support of the station and the trip to Canton, Ohio for the uh, Hall of Fame, and so I want to give him a, a lot of props for that. But uh, Steve was there throughout the course of the the weekend, so uh, he'll he'll give he'll give us a report on what he saw that I wasn't able to see as I was traveling back from uh, from Canton. But uh, I got hit up by Rodney on Twitter. What's up, Rodney? Hit me up, and uh, he said, "Q." And we we're talking about the Hall of Fame and talking about you know when's the next time a Raider is going to be represented. He said, "What do you think about Gruden in the Hall of Fame?" And Demond, I told you I just got this tweet that was a, a question that I wanted to throw out there. And I told you I didn't want to uh, ask you in the commercial break. I wanted to get your natural reaction. So now that you hear it, what do you think about Gruden in the Hall of Fame? What are your thoughts? Ooh, it's a tough one because he's got the Super Bowl. I think for him it would be more of his personality of like being larger than life that would get him in. More and like people remembering the TV, like his TV career almost, you know, elevating him a little bit more than the actual record. Okay. Now I'll say this. As a guy who's a big-time John Gruden supporter, I'm a guy who was angry when John Gruden was traded in the middle of the night. I was doing backflips when John Gruden was returning to the silver and black because I just I think that, as I've said many times, he's a Raider. Marcel reset. he's a Raider. I mean, I just, I just feel that to my, to my core that John Gruden gets the silver and black. Now, with that being said, I'll say John Gruden's not a Hall of Fame coach. He's got the Super Bowl, like you said. I think, and this is just me, I think for John Gruden to be considered a Hall of Fame coach, he's still got some work to do. He's still got some work to do where he's got to pick up another Lombardi. And I hate what people say when they say, well, he went with Tony Dungy's team. That makes me cringe. And I've told you why before, because the guy who didn't win with Tony Dungy's team was Tony Dungy. So I can't, I'll never take that away from Coach Gruden. He was able to get them over the top, similar to what I think Steve Kerr did for the Warriors. Mark Jackson had a really good team. Steve Kerr got him over the top. They went on to go on a nice run. So John Gruden helped Tampa Bay get over the top. I know that that defense was crazy outstanding as one of those members went uh, into the Hall of Fame this past weekend and John Lynch. Just crazy, just nuts how, how good that damn defense was. But we're not talking about that right now. I think John Gruden, I think he'll probably agree with you. He's got work to do. I mean, his win-loss record is, you know, just hovering around 500, and that's fine. He's got the one Super Bowl. I would think for John Gruden to be a Super Bowl winning or a, 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 a Hall of Fame coach, I think, and this is just me, and Raider Nation is where I'm going to need your help, 702-365-9200, excuse me. I almost gave out the hotline number. <laughs> the back line. <laughs> almost gave out the back line. I'm feeling special VIP yeah, status. Yeah, yeah, the VIP line that we get, you know, guests to call in on. I almost gave that one out, man. That would have been something, right? People calling in. The guest was like, I can't get through. I can't get through. Why? Why is the phone busy? Well, Q, dummy, gave out the wrong number, 702-365-9200. I think Gruden needs to bring two Lombardis home, two more Lombardis home to be a, super, to be a, a, a Hall of Fame coach. 
Yeah, I'm looking at the record here, and it just is. There's only four seasons of ten wins or more, and it's just the 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 resume just isn't there. Ooh, excuse me. And I, and I think he would agree with that. I think that the resume, and I I know he's not coaching to try to be a Hall of Fame. But it coach. also goes to what you said. Um, was it? I don't know if it was Saturday or sometime last week. You said like you asked a player like, "Oh, did you think about like when you finally get into the Hall of Fame?" Right. But as you're doing your career or growing you don't up, think you're, not, about you're not thinking about, "Hey, I'm doing all this just to get into the Hall of Fame." Exactly. Exactly. That's that's the thing. You don't think about that while you're out there every day. I guarantee Charles Woodson in his 18 year career wasn't saying, "Man, one more year, two more interceptions, and I'm going to get in the Hall." You know what I mean? Like he wasn't thinking that. He was thinking, damn it, I'm trying to win a game. Damn it, I'm trying to help this team win. Man, I should have, you know, jumped that route. I should have done this. I should have done that. They don't think about the Hall. So I know Coach Gruden's not sitting there at the facility in Henderson thinking, well, what do I got to do to get to Hall? But since Rodney threw out the question to me, I'm throwing it out there to you. And I say two Lombardis, especially, and this will be the, this will be the, this would be special for him because especially with this team that he's putting together right now, this is his roster. There's, you know, again, I, I always say I, I cringe whenever I hear the he won with Tony Dungy's team. He still won. But this would be, okay, this is almost be like what Marshawn Lynch, when he, when he gave the double, the double bird to everyone, and I forget what game that was, but it's become a meme now on Twitter, you know, where they throw out the, the, the double bird, and that's, it's a picture of Marshawn Lynch. That would almost be that if John Gruden were to, you know, get a, get a Lombardi for the Raiders and say, hey, by the way, that was all my team. Me and Mayock, we, uh, we, we, we put our heads together. We, we, we put this roster out there, and damn it, we went and won a Lombardi or two. I think it takes two. Like Rob Bates used to say back in the day, it takes two to make a thing go right. I've heard of that one. I hope so. <laughs> it's a classic. I guarantee your mama was partying to that song. I don't even know your mama, but I guarantee she was partying to that song. I know my mama was. Right now, my mom's probably like, ooh, that's, man, let me go find that. That's my track. That song, come on, everyone lose their mind. But Raider Nation, let me know. What's your thoughts? What would it take for head coach John Gruden, not that it's important, but since the question was thrown to me by Rodney on Twitter, what, what, what would you take, what do you think it would take for Gruden to be considered a Hall of Fame coach? 702-365-9200. That is the Raider Nation listener line. And, of course, the Sam and Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R, 69187, keyword R&R. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.